0: this is going inside healing trauma from the inside out hosted by me licensed trauma therapist john clark going inside is a weekly podcast on a mission to help you heal from trauma and connect with your authentic self tune in for enlightening guest interviews immersive solo deep dives real life therapy sessions and soothing guided meditations follow me on socials at john clark therapy on instagram TikTok, and YouTube and apply to work with me one-on-one at johnclarktherapy.com. Thanks for being here. Let's dive in. Christine Dixon is an educational therapist for over 20 years. She became a radical, pragmatic pragmatist, testing out various healing methods to help with her own trauma. When she discovered IFS, it felt as if her whole life had led to this modality. She's now an IFS educator and group facilitator, following her fascination and inviting others to come along. I almost made it through that without stuttering or fumbling, but... um. We're human here, right? Uh, <laughs> thanks for doing this, Christine. Um, you know, the way I came across you was um, following your Instagram and all of the really great content you put out there. Even these, uh, especially these little hand-drawn uh, <laughs> things that you do with parts and kind of illustrating parts, uh, I found so neat and I uh, stick useful. <laughs> Stick figures, yeah, I'm a big, big fan of those. Um, but yeah, how are you doing? Thank you again for coming on the show, and um, maybe you could elaborate a little on your kind of bio there and how you how you got mm-hmm. here and what you're up to now, and in the realm of IFS and trauma and all those things.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I kind of my trauma was mainly uh, in childhood with religious trauma. Um, some neglect, some things like that. And then, uh, but then I ended up also up in a, an abusive marriage and was in that for 13 years. There was a lot of um, physical, emotional, mental, sexual abuse, all of it. And um, once I finally had the courage to leave, my first husband died by suicide. And so that was another big trauma. Later, I had trauma show up in my body and was hospitalized repeatedly doctors didn't know what was happening right and then um finally realized that my trauma was kind of manifesting in my body wow this this was once i was actually safe (laughs) in a safe environment then it could start expressing itself yeah And so i was very eager to find some help for myself yeah and so that's when i started go ahead
0: yeah no I j- just a comment you know is as you're you know offering this this kind of synopsis of of what's happened and the trauma that you've been through Um, I also don't see a lot of like flooding happening right now or nervous system activation unless you're just hiding it super well <laughs> so clearly there's a story there behind the work you've done working through this trauma and maybe still doing work, um, integrating, helping your parts and all that. So I'm so curious about that because sometimes I'll see my clients that come in and just as they start their story, even the Cliff Mm. Notes version, there's this nervous system activation or there's a jitteriness, right? And attention that kind of happens. And that's often a cue for me that perhaps there's more work to be done there, right? Or when people are wanting to know like how unresolved is my trauma or how much work do i need how much you know am i kind of over this quote unquote as some people clients will say and um yeah Yeah. just making that comment
1: yeah you know it's it's really fascinating i'll i'll be transparent before i come on anything like this or even the groups that i lead or uh, clients that i meet with i meet with my system for about a half an hour beforehand and i say who's here who has any fear any anxiety, and what is it, right? And there'll kind of be some chatter around, oh, it's fine, we're fine. But then, somatically, there will be some some response. And I'll go, so even before this, I went, and I said, who's here? And somatically, there was a little response. And I said, oh, how old are you? And the response came three, five, and 10. So there were several. And I said, oh, what are you afraid of? And they said, I'm afraid of just being blindsided, doing something wrong being humiliated somehow getting it wrong and so then i was able to say hey i'm here with you even if that happens i'll be here with you and um so i think part of it is is always turning toward whatever is alive there and of course i have yeah. i have a pretty close relationship with all three of those parts and i know them very well so so i can say oh i i i know i know what you've been through yeah and i'm here Um, so that's, yeah, it's, I, I often talk about that healing always, always occurs in this moment as we bring our loving attention to whatever's alive in us right now. And obviously there's the deeper work that we choose to do to get to know the parts so that when they come up in this moment, you know, we can turn toward them that way. But, um, it's, it's, it's an ongoing process of this relationship, right. Between the self and the, Whatever part comes up.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, what I love about that is, first of all, you just gave us a really simple, beautiful way to check in with your parts, especially before doing something like this that can be activating. You know, you're on this show, people yeah. will hear it and see you and, um, gonna know something about you and now about what you've been through. And so, um, you know, addressing parts' fears and hearing them out. An example I gave one of my clients this week, and I have a a convenient example in my own life that I have a toddler uh-huh. <laughs> you know, who's three and a half, and so if she mm. comes to me with a fear like what if no one plays with me at school right and I offer some false uh, reassurance of like oh I'm sure that won't happen
1: mm-hmm. i don't
0: know if that'll happen or not. it could happen right yeah. so and you know we we unintentionally invalidate fears right whether it's our kids or our parts or whatever i'm sure you'll be fine i'm sure that won't happen right versus yeah. I, I get how scary that is and if that happens i'll be there for you or i'll you know the second your school is over i'll be there and we can talk about it and um mm-hmm. i'm i'm with you through that and i get how scary that is right yeah yeah
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah, I had I asked those parts to show me, you know, show me when that happened. Right. I can go back there with you. I can be with you. And that was something I discovered along the way through my own IFS process was that the response from the self, like you said, because other parts will say, "Oh, everything will be fine. Don't yeah. worry about it." It'll yeah. kind of placate in that way or or reframe or you know, focus on the positive. Yeah. But the self would never say that. It would just say, "Oh, that might happen." It yeah. could happen, but I will be here with you. And there's so much peace in that for the parts because they're like, yeah, I know it could happen," <laughs> and you're not denying that. Right. But you'll be okay because I will be here with you. Yeah.
0: yeah. So powerful. Yeah. I think one cue is like, I'll tell my clients that if it feels like you're starting to even mildly argue with parts, mm-hmm. that's probably another part right coming in and going I'm sure it'll be fine you know um
1: yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah, denying the experience or having any kind of agenda or angst about it yeah
0: yeah well a couple directions we could kind of go today one I I, I'm always happy to hear more about you and your story um especially as it relates to working through your trauma Um, we had also mentioned this topic around inner critics um, oh. as a pretty universal <laughs> topic and a very yeah. common starting off point for clients doing their their own parts work right yeah. or even a term that clients that don't know about ifs might come in with um yeah, yeah what what sounds good to you
1: yeah no i i would love to talk about that that's actually a, a big part of my own healing and of my story because mm. um before i knew ifs i learned the Enneagram. I'm not sure if you're okay, familiar with yeah. the Enneagram. Only
0: somewhat, yeah, but I know people are integrating the the models and yeah. you know, offering those similarities.
1: Yeah, yeah, so I was at a, a conference and uh, discovered that I'm an Enneagram type, or well, <laughs> there's all kinds of things I believe about the how the Enneagram fits with IFS, but um, my parts predominantly protected me by becoming an Enneagram one which is Mm. the perfectionist. And I remember the facilitator saying, you know you're an Enneagram one if you have a really harsh inner critic. And I said, oh Yeah. yeah, that's me, right? And she said, you know, it can be even helpful to name your critic. And she gave a story where someone had named their critic Gertrude. So I started calling my critic, well, now I know I actually have five. But uh, we'll get to that. Um, <laughs> so I started calling this kind of very inner critical voice Gertrude. Eventually, once I, I learned IFS, I went in directly and I asked her, what is your name? I said, is your name Gertrude? And she said, oh, no. <laughs> I said, what is your name? She said, my name is Edna. Mm. And I, so I said, OK, I'll call you Edna. And so she appears. And so for me, I'm very visual. Yeah, she, she appears kind of like this old woman with a, her finger out like this. And she's actually my social critic. So she um, is the, the keeper of all the rules. She has, had a lot of cultural burden around mm. all the shoulds and the shouldn'ts and the have tos and the musts and you must do this and must not do that to kind of fit in. Right. And so um, I got to know her very well and burdened her. There's a lot of layers cultural burden experiences. And um, she transformed into kind of this, this uh, kind grandmother that bakes cookies and encourages and, you know, kind of lets you know a little bit, Oh, Hey, you might want to check that out, but, but is definitely not burdened. Um, And we can talk more if you want about other critics that I've met.
0: Well, I'm I'm very interested. And also I am, amazed at how so often i've seen this in my my clients and in myself when an unburdening happens the way that our parts can often take change shape or role mm-hmm. or age appearance mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, or they want to do things like make cookies or go play or make music or dance or something in that realm right yeah, that is yeah. very much not like oh my gosh i went from doing this job that felt very high stakes for a very long time to Making cookies or playing, mm-hmm. right? And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm just always amazed at how parts often they know exactly what they would rather do if they weren't doing this job inside your yeah. system, right?
1: Yeah, and she, this part, Edna, is actually 11 years old. So she took the form, yeah, of this older matronly, like kind of nun or teacher. Um, because that's she's essentially a type of parentified child, but she's she's taking that form to show uh her role. Right. And yeah. Um uh, but yeah, yeah, all of my parts when they when they unburden, they they take on um yeah, just these roles full of play and presence and and being playfully active and creative and it's wonderful. Yeah. This is so
0: in- incredible. And the, the age piece, you know, I find such a powerful um, prompt or even curiosity as I'm working with clients, right? Even early on and encountering a part, do you get yeah. an idea about how old this client is or can you ask the client how sorry, ask the part how old it is um, and then followed by how, how old does the part think you are? And there's yeah. very often this discrepancy right away, right? Oh, so the part is four and the part thinks you're four. Got it. Okay. So can you let the part know that you're not for even just some light updating there. Right. And there's often this Mm -hmm. kind of, um, this shock, they're kind of perplexed Mm -hmm. of like, Oh my gosh, you're, you're not (laughs) for. Right. Um, and that updating of the part can often just be such a powerful, you know, moment for, for the client and their parts.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I found that often that, they're, you know, if I can just receive an answer from the part, how old do you think I am? It's often single digits that, you know, 10 or or younger that they think I am. And I can say, oh, well, of course, then you don't trust me or you don't, you know, think I can handle this. Um, And sometimes they're pointing, I think, at another part they're polarized with. And sometimes they're actually so fixated on the exile that they think I'm the exile, right? And so, so updating them can help and periodically though i want to point out sometimes they'll say yeah i know you're older but you're you still can't handle this like you know right you're not uh you're not equipped and i'll say who's not equipped like tell me more about it because sometimes they still are pointing at another part that's been running the show
0: so true Yeah. yeah yeah and then all of a sudden you might have three or four parts in the room at once in a given Mm -hmm. moment, you know, when doing parts work, whether it's doing your own parts work or with, you know, an IFS therapist or guide or whatever. Yeah. Facilitator. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: So, so as you got to know this, this inner critic, um, that is one of a handful and walked through this unburdening process, she took a different role, very different Mm -hmm. shape, changed age. And then how did that, shift things in your system or what did that look like in terms of even the practicalities of your daily life in your experience of that that inner critic those shoulds those musts that tension of um i'm not doing enough or i'm somehow not enough
1: yeah yeah significantly so first Mm -hmm. i want to say um because kind of one step i think at least in my journey that that we kind of skipped is that I, before I met IFS, I had been learning self-compassion, you know, through Kristen Neff's work and different things like that. And I had learned how to bring self-compassion basically to the exiles, right? The parts that felt really big emotions, felt wounded. Um, but, and I had experienced all my life, these really big shame spirals. So some of, one of my, my, uh, biggest critics is what's called a destroyer, right, which is kind of like a, almost a murderous suicidal part. Mm-hmm. And so I would have these very big shame spirals. And I I began to learn to give self-compassion to the wounded parts. But it wasn't until I learned through IFS to give compassion to the critics that those shame spirals were healed. Because I would still, I would feel you know, the shame and I give compassion to it, but then the critic would keep, you know, uh, would get bigger usually and kind of compete. But so once I gave first this compassionate witness curiosity to Edna and I got to understand how she came by her job, honestly, right? And how she was protecting me. Um, She had learned all of these things. If you do this or you don't do that, you will be punished. You will be criticized. You will be rejected. You will be abandoned. And I am protecting you. I had such appreciation for her. So then when she would show up in my life, I think it's wonderful to have a name and, and to know when that part, kind of what they say to you or how they present in your body. Because then yeah. I could turn toward her and say, "Ah, oh, Edna. And for me, the word was should, right? So whenever there was a should, I would yeah. say, oh, Edna you're here. Tell me what you're afraid of. And, and she would say, oh, you know, you've, you've got to do this or that. Um, and I would say, oh, you know, remember, I'm here. I'm taking care of this part. Is there another part you need me to go to? Or, you know, just, uh, just that relationship of turning toward her, she kind of began yeah. to soften into, um, instead of saying, you should do this, you should do that with this really big angst, you know, she would say, you you could do this. Oh wow! You could. That's yeah, a big shift. Yeah. And and um, so I mean, just the simplest things. I was I remember early on, I would notice her all through the day. You know, just should 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 should, yeah. should this, just running everything. And so I would walk by the dishwasher, and she'd say, "You shouldn't see the dishwasher, right?" And I would say, "Oh, I see you. You know, what are you afraid would happen if I didn't?" You would be considered lazy you would you know all these things and then um as she began to relax she would say you could empty the dishwasher like there was more of a choice yeah right and then and it's then incredible. i would say yeah do we want to yeah sure no we don't want to right now we'll do it later you know there was there was less um urgency around things and less yeah. shame around not doing the right thing uh yeah it was really significant
0: there's there's a a tension when we're being led by our parts right or walking by and having that should and then immediately jumping into doing the dishes and feeling this tension of perhaps i don't even know why but it feels like there would be a consequence if i don't do these dishes even Mm -hmm. though it's just me an adult at home alone right and then right right? we're off off and running and, and yet you know parts when they when they're no longer polarized, they can become almost like partners or co-pilots or um, consultants, even, right? Of like right. this part that really wants you to do well. Gosh, I get that. Gosh, I so appreciate how you want me to do well, even in my you know my own world of um, ha- having some some powerful inner critics, even that about my own clinical work or wanting to be a good therapist. Gosh, right. I get that. You really want me to to be a good therapist, you want to make sure I'm doing good work or I have, you know, high standards for the type of work I'm doing. And yet when we get into trouble or when it's distressing, again, when those parts are polarized and everything feels so high stakes or someone in my life has even an ounce of feedback for me and a part jumps in, right? And Mm -hmm. tightens up and my stomach gets tight and my throat, you know, feels weird. And all of a sudden I'm bracing for impact. Right. Yeah. And I'm getting ready to fight or run away or whatever it is or shut down or to your point about shame. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and that person may or may not have even been offering critical feedback at all. It's just like Yeah, it's there's a, a, a hyper like, yeah. yeah. Like if you're looking at your phone, and you see a text from someone important in your life and it just says, you know, hey, can we talk?
1: Oh <laughs> <laughs>
0: whatever it is, right? And then a boom, yeah. there's a part a part there.
1: Yeah. 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 And it's, I think, especially with inner critics, um, I like, um, are you familiar with Martha Sweezy's more recent book, um, Internal Family Systems for Shame and Guilt?
0: Got it on my shelf. I haven't cracked into it yet, but oh, people, you're, so you're, good. you're not the first one to mention that. So that's good. I have
1: a whole YouTube series on awesome. me talking about this book because it's so good. She has over 200, you know, uh, examples of IFS sessions around this, but she talks about the the six acts of the shame cycle, mm. and um, I'll go. I'll just go through the first three real quick. Great, but, yeah. But the first one is that something bad happens to us. Yeah. Right. And and then the second one is that we accept that as meaning that something's wrong with us. Right. That so we a part of us takes on I am bad, and so then. The third act she calls critics go large. And this is where a big critic comes in to say, you're right, you are bad, right? And then says, um, and the critic's intention often is, okay, I'm learning that this quality or this, you know, it could be anything from showing an emotion like anger or sadness or fear or sensitivity or um, sexuality or Uh, you know, it could be anything, right? It could be the way you look, anything. It says, okay, this thing is so shameful and is going to make you not safe or acceptable to your caregivers or your peers. So I'm going to exile that. I'm going to invite, and the way I'm going to do that is by saying, you're so bad, you're so bad, you're right, you're so bad, get away. In an effort to get the whole of us to be accepted. Like I I have to exile this part in order to survive and be acceptable kind of as a whole. And so the critics learn to do that in essence to, to save us, even though a lot of the other parts rightfully hate the critics because they're, you know, they're kind of causing the very thing they don't like. Right. And, And, and then the, you know, these young parts that are holding, I am bad get reinforced. I am so bad. The shame spiral just continues down. And so, um, she, do you want me to go through the rest of the shame cycle? Yeah, go for <laughs> it. This is great. <laughs> um, so, really, the the other parts of the shame cycle are kind of other parts that come online. So, so from three to six, they can kind of come in any order. But um, there's the critics that come in, and then there's the the parts that say never again. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make sure that you look and act the right way. And in in some ways, my my Edna is kind of like that. Um, but i have some some much harsher inner critics i remember when i when i got to know them uh i said are you edna it, there's one named gollum that appears like gollum from lord of the rings and he said oh no i am much meaner than her <laughs> right <wow. laughs> i said oh okay but um, nice to meet you <laughs> yeah yes. so he's he's a big one that i will turn towards oh gollum i see you're here um, but but um so the critics and then the ones that that kind of keep us in line, a lot of those managers, right? I'm gonna yeah. manage the world around you, I'm gonna manage you, your behavior, your appearance, uh, so that this bad thing will never happen again. And of course they have good intention. Um, but then we also can go to act five, which is um, I think she calls it, I have it I have it over here, hold on. Uh oh, the the warrior mutiny which is kind of these angry mm-hmm. raging parts that push out. So they say, um, I'm not bad, you're bad, right? And, they're, and again, they're trying to counteract the critics and you know, to kind of create some balance here. Yeah, they're Like we can't handle all of this feeling bad inside. Let's push it out. No, you're bad. Um, and then the final one is the, um, the rescue team. Which is, you know, these the firefighters of numbing, escaping, binging, dissociative parts that say, "There's so much pain and shame in the system. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna soothe you. I'm gonna help you. I'm gonna do something about it." And so, so usually when people come into therapy or coaching, they sometimes they have exiles at the surface, but a lot of times they're aware of this really extreme behavior of all of these parts that are trying to protect them right big critics or raging parts addictive parts um, managers and things and so as you know in ifs the solution is to then come back to act one and say what is the bad thing that happened yeah and bring the self energy into that and can we witness that and can we then unload the burden of i am bad yeah. right and or what was taken on as meaning from that from that so so anyway that there's but i I wanted what i really wanted to to highlight was this this um whenever we have these shame spirals in our lives Mm -hmm. there's always a shamed one and a shamer inside right yeah there's there's the the accused and the accuser and and just just dealing with one and not the other is not is not going to help that you know that dynamic but of course the self has the capacity to to be with them all and and see the good intention accept appreciate love them, you know all of that and say can i help can i what if i could help
0: yeah amazing i'm, I'm always um you know in all of how when we go in and we kind of bear witness to the part's story about how they took on this role, sometimes it's a dramatic big T trauma story. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's um, as seemingly benign as uh, I was seven and I played, you know, violin in my recital and I missed a few notes and on the way home, my mom just didn't talk to me. Right. right, right. So, part came online and said, "Well, in order for that to never happen again, and for mom to not withdraw love or people to not love me anymore, I'm going to be more perfect than ever and never miss a note again." Right, and then in right. my in my case, you know, living in San Francisco and Silicon Valley and the tech world. 30 years later, people come in and they've been (laughs) that part has been in the driver's seat for 30 years, making me, you know, leading me to be as perfect as possible and as overachieving. And everything feels really high stakes. Um, And they have these incredibly Mm -hmm. uh, effective managers around um, being perfect, being efficient, right? Being buttoned up all the time, never showing weakness. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, powerful, Mm -hmm. effective managers who are also beyond exhausted you know or the cracks are starting to show in the form of um i'm so perfect from nine to five and then from five to whatever i'm drinking myself to sleep or into oblivion or whatever it is right Mm -hmm. um to try to um kind of even things out right or i got some remotely critical feedback at work and went home and drank until i couldn't feel anymore or whatever it is right
1: right 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 yeah it's it you're exactly right um you know i've I've met so many parts of my own system and in client systems and sometimes parts will will diminish something that happened for them they'll say oh that was yeah. nothing that can't can't be anything um and other times they'll completely block them off you know from from accessing something that happened but i know for me Uh, one of the big traumas I had that I realize now kind of organized a lot of those parts that are in that shame cycle was when I was 10, um, my best friend of the last three years that I spent every day with um, said to me on the front lawn of the primary school, you know, you're fat and ugly, and I can't be your friend anymore. And I found out later that some of the popular girls had told her, you can be in our group if you you know disown christine and she never talked to me again i you know i went on i had other friends i did you know different things um and my system had really diminished that experience yeah but when i went back in my you know with all of my parts i realized that i had these uh you know because she had said i was fat i developed this part that controlled my eating yeah right and controlled my body um Uh, you know, she said I was ugly. I had parts that controlled, you know, my appearance. Um, Just the thinking, well, maybe if I'm perfect, like you said, you know, then I won't experience this kind of rejection. So perfectionists came online. Um, I ended up trying to get perfect grades, trying to get approval from teachers, trying to get, you know, approval anywhere I could to kind of just all of these parts that, that developed and people-pleasing parts and um, really that have let me know they came on as this army in that one moment, you know, and then they, and then they ran my life for the next 30 plus years.
0: So it's incredible, you know, to, to your point um, or or in the, a point that was made kind of in your introduction, your bio is, um, and this was my experience is, you know, after being a therapist for uh you know 10 11 years and doing things a certain way um and even doing things like uh working from a cognitive perspective so a client comes in and says i'm worthless and you kind of work with the cognition of that right like what's the proof that you're worthless what's yeah. the proof that you're not maybe not worthless is there a replacement thought for that right and you're kind right. of um it, it it can provide relief but in a way and now that i know ifs i'm kind of arguing with this part (laughs) that took on (laughs) this belief in a very emotionally charged moment right like yours Mm -hmm. and kind of coming in and saying you're you're wrong for holding this belief right Right. um it's like the the part holds a belief of i'm not enough and just coming in and going you're enough you're enough you're enough right um i used to work with um with With kids, with um behavioral issues um here in San Francisco, like in the public school district. and one of the most activating things you could do would be to praise a kid, right? Mm. Or to say, mm-hmm. wow, you're so you' you're so good, right? Or um, yeah. you did a great job or you are, in other words, like you are worthy of love. Yeah. And I remember at the time, like giving that type of praise in whatever way and seeing how activating it was for some of these kids, right? because yeah. again i'm going in just like these dominant parts in them that have been uh, abused and traumatized and beaten down and going you're 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 totally fine right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then wondering why there's this kind of backlash and uh, mm-hmm. intense rejection of that right mm-hmm, and then now mm-hmm. seeing that through a parts perspective it's like well that that makes a lot of sense right
1: yeah and and on the flip side too even if so in my case Teachers and things would give me that kind of approval. And mm. I would say I was addicted to it. I yeah, I had yeah. to get that in order to feel like I had any worth, right? So wow. yeah. So it became this very dependent relationship and um, desperation, right? I, I have to get this, this supply of of approval and and great good grades and you know, all of that. But um but it was exhausting. You know, because it was like, but if you really found out who I really am, yeah, you would not, you would not love me because those parts still really f- held so much shame. Um, and and what's interesting to me is the self, because you were saying, you know, I think when you were talking about kind of that cognitive behavioral therapy of, uh, or cognitive therapy of, yeah. well, the opposite, you know, and kind of that it's really other managers that are trying to help. And and so many modalities, that's, I think, the best they have to offer is here's another manager to try to counterbalance this polarization, right? A burden system's way of trying to achieve balance. But what's interesting is when myself would go in to these parts that held this I am bad, I am unlovable belief, it's just the presence of the self. It's like, I call it the loving gaze, right? It was just... Like I see you and you are delightful and there's, it's like that part just knows that it's loved um, without even having to be told, no, you are enough. You are enough. You are enough. (laughs) You know, it's like it it demonstrates and shows that by attuning, I guess.
0: Well, uh, yeah, I love that. And so I, um, I I also, you know, I teach, ifs to the clinicians that work at my practice i, I own a, a teaching practice here and a lot mm. you know sometimes because we can be so eager to kind of go through the steps or even looking at like the steps for unburdening we can kind of blow past um, mm. this really pivotal moment of um, you're there with a part perhaps just asking to hear its story or is, it, is there anything it wants to share with you? And maybe that part goes right into that story or right into that moment for you of being bullied and just hanging out there and going, if, if it's okay, just let that part tell you that story. Can you just kind of hang out there with the part as it shares this story? Is there more to mm-hmm. share? Does it want to sh- tell you more or show you more? And a lot of times they mm-hmm. do, right? And this might be mm-hmm. decades Of Mm -hmm. this part, not having, you know, a a place to tell their story and not having self of and not trying to fix it right, especially the way we do in our lives of just like, well, but you turned out okay and look at you and but you got good (laughs) grades or whatever we do (laughs) to unintentionally minimize your your pain and your wounding, right? Um, But just this, like you said, the presence of self and going yeah, just be there with the part and hear that story entirely. Um, Mm -hmm. And perhaps after that moment, there is more, more steps to take of bringing the part into the present or actually letting go of something, thoughts, feelings, beliefs, whatever, installing new qualities, et cetera, et cetera. But um, yeah, so, so powerful, just that witnessing piece.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, with that particular part, I remember, you know, again, I'm visual, but in my mind's eye, just sitting on the grass in front of the primary school, you know, rocking with her, hugging her, saying, I'm here, I'm here with you. You're not alone. I really get how devastating this is for you, right? And um, I feel emotional now. Like just, just the bonding that happened of not trying to fix it, not trying to go anywhere, but just I see you and I get it. I get how, how bad this was for you and tell me whatever you want to tell me. And I like, you know, to your point about saying, is there anything else? Is there anything else? I love, I teach this, you know, with the, with the witnessing step, is there anything else? Is there anything else? Is there anything else? And you don't stop until they say, yeah, that's it. Yeah. And sometimes I've had experiences where they tell me one thing and that's it. And I've had with my people pleasing part, um, she told me things more and more and more for a year and a half. And this and this. Yeah. And this. Because it was really complex trauma, right? It was just moment after moment after moment. And I really want you to go and be with me here and here and here or all of these parts, right? That she was protecting. Um so again, I loved I love to say that. That you know the witnessing can last two minutes or two years.
0: (laughs) Well and and also this is so why it's so important that we keep going back to parts right or if you reach this moment and there's 10 minutes left in the session or five minutes left or whatever and the client comes back the next time you go okay all right where where should we start today and we start somewhere totally new right Right. you've got this vulnerable little one still there waiting on the the lawn of the school wondering like is anyone coming back for me right Yeah. also why the integration and the following up piece is so important right Mm -hmm. checking in on her every day 21 days or whatever you choose to do there, but, um, going back. And I think what one piece that I, again, I share with my clinicians who are learning IFS is a quality that I really love and can feel in myself, uh, when I'm in self is not having an agenda, and then my client's mm-hmm. parts can feel that, right? Like I don't need this to go anywhere today. Right. Nothing needs to happen, quote unquote, right? Or if we find a part, it's like, again, nothing needs to happen today with this part, to either yeah. do some great unburdening or not do an unburdening or just to hang out with the part or just to sit here feeling really stuck, you know, mm-hmm. t- today. And that might be that might be the work. And so for me, like w- one of my primary jobs, so to speak, in doing the work is being in that place and being in
1: self as much
0: as possible. And when I can feel even physically Mm
1: -hmm. that I don't
0: have an agenda, I'm trying to stay there right in session. On the other hand, there's moments where – there's parts of me that do are eager and want to jump in or my therapist parts that want the session to go somewhere today, right? right. I want to show someone that IFS is really great and it could change your life, right? And so what if we yeah. could do an unburning today, right? And all of that starts mm-hmm. to feel like tension and starts to feel like an agenda. And then the client's parts can, can feel it too, right?
1: That's right. Yes. Yeah. It's, that's why I feel like you know, when I meet with groups or when I meet with clients, the best thing I can possibly do is to meet with my own system beforehand. Yeah. Um, because when I'm giving that attention, first of all, if there are any parts that are active in my own life, I've just given them attention so they can rest a little bit and not be f- in the forefront. And then and then during the whole session, there's an at- this awareness, like you said, of parts that come up with some kind of agenda. And again, being able to turn toward them, you know, I really imagine in my, my mind just saying, oh, I see you. Oh, yeah. I I get you. I appreciate you. I know you really want to have a good outcome for this client. You really want them to, you know, be transformed and you have such good intention. Often these are kind of self-like parts, right? Yeah. Um, but we know that they're not self because of that, that urgency, that agenda. And to just say, oh, you know, can you let me? let me lead. Sometimes I might need to meet with them, you know, outside of sessions. But but when I'm able, like you said, to be just agendaless and present with the person in front of me, usually after the session, I'm blown away. It feels like it just led, you know, the client system led itself. And especially once the client is in self, I'm just sitting back and (laughs) they're doing everything because the self knows what to do so yeah. it always it always goes better um, and then those those parts that had agenda you know can look and say oh yeah it does go better yeah.
0: well and that piece of defaulting to the client's system and to the client's access to self energy is so yeah. powerful and something i'm usually i'm thinking about all the time right especially when i am stuck or a little unsure of what to do in the session right, right. or um which part needs your help today the most right and there's a lot going on or even just in life there's a ton going on and so slowing it all down letting parts speak up letting helping the client hear from those parts ideally one at a time or <laughs> conference table around a fire whatever it's going to be right. um, and, and then going back to the client right do you, do you get a sense of which part needs your help is it okay to to -hmm. to go work with that part um, and checking in with other parts about that. And sometimes once you get started, you'll know right away. And other parts either take issue with it Mm -hmm. or they have, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. more pressing needs, whatever it is. And then we're kind of in the fluidity of a session, right? And then Mm -hmm. working with someone's system and everyone's system is so different that, Right. We can never assume that we know how this is going to go, <laughs> exactly. right? And so again, for the yeah. therapist or the practitioner, letting go of needing to know how this is going to go or needing to know that this is going to be a good session or a really stuck session, right, or whatever it is.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's it's interesting. Something that that soothes those parts for me is that we only ever have to be with whatever part is here now Right, Because sometimes there will be parts that get overwhelmed. Well, what if another one comes in and blocks the work and then another one comes in and then there's so many and there's confusion about who's here? Well, we just deal with whatever comes in this yeah. moment and whatever comes in this moment. And so like some of the parts get overwhelmed because they think about so far ahead, right? Like, you know, this and what if this and this and this happens? Well, that might happen, but all we ever have to, to work with is whatever's here right now. And um, and sometimes the process is that way, where this part comes in and blocks the way, and we meet their concern, and then another part right. comes in and we meet their concern, and maybe we don't ever get to the target part. But um, I like to say, you know, every part is so worthy to get to know. Like sometimes yeah. um, practitioners and even clients sometimes will have this idea that that the ideal is to get to the exile, right? You got to heal these roots. But but these these protective parts are young too and that they're you know i say they're your inner children too and they they need so much love and attention and so if we just give them love and attention right now it's really going to be significantly worth it you know in in the big picture
0: so true yeah that that piece about um that this came up in um Group supervision at my practice recently around um, kind of like looking for the exile right or like yeah. uh, some of the ifs folks will talk about that like uh, exile hunting or something like that <laughs> that's like the big the big goal and going for the, the big one yeah exactly and um, yeah understanding again that that can come from a very do gooding part of uh right. practitioner right if I really want to help um, yeah. and uh, and yet when we blow past protectors right and uh, mm-hmm. you know i at first had learned about this idea of like backlash from protectors mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then experienced it when with yeah. a client i went uh, too deep too fast and we ended up you know with with an exile without the permission from the protectors right and going really really slow with those protectors right even if it yeah. feels too slow to some of my parts that really want to again be good and efficient and get somewhere mm-hmm. right and in the client's parts too right they want right. to get somewhere um, but we have to go so slow right and really starting mm-hmm. with the protectors as a, a rule of thumb is i think mm-hmm. a good one
1: yeah yeah i've had clients who you know a- afterward maybe they'll have dissociative parts that you know take them out pretty severely afterward or big inner critics that come out because how dare you be vulnerable or how dare you you know let this out or or even self-harming suicidal parts so it's that's why it's so important right to to get all of those parts permission to really get to know them um, because they are protecting for a reason and they're really really genuinely afraid you know and they are going to To get really activated, if they think you're going into territory that's going to, you know, that's right, compromise the person's safety or whatever, or you know, the volatility of their whole system, and so um, yeah, I'm I'm often saying yes, you know, let's go to whoever has any opinion about this. We will never steamroll over them, you know, right to try to get right get deeper. Yeah,
0: so important to check in with parts at the end of a session, or again, especially if there's been unburdening or working with an exile and then to go back and check in with parts because sometimes like you said they they have real issues with what just happened right yeah, and yeah, um, yeah. it's important that we we hear from that and spend time reserve time at the end of a session really doing some of that integration piece around uh, other mm-hmm. parts speaking up about what just happened or concerns about what this means for my role now or whatever and mm-hmm. i think some practitioners will Kind of skip past that, or just not manage the clock well enough to right. have time for that piece, understandably, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. that's funny i have <laughs> I have a little bit host of managers, you know what I mean with clients, one of them is the timekeeping one yeah you say, okay, you're you're allowed to do that <laughs> for me important um but uh, so yeah, we can have parts that support us, but but then there's also um if that part comes in and says, Oh no, 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 you can't do this, you can't do that, I'll say, you know, it's okay you can relax. Thank you for keeping, keeping the time, but, but I can, you know, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll go forward and do what we can. But yeah, I love that what you're saying about um, closing in such a way as to check in with everybody. Um, And sometimes I'll even tell a client, you know, can you commit to even like five minutes after the session, just being still and, and being with whatever comes up in you. And and being curious about it, right? Because you great, to validate, yeah. or you know, that you might have uh, some parts that get that they get upset or activated by it, and yeah. that's normal. Um, when
0: you're really bridging the gap between sessions and honoring um, clients' autonomy, that um, you can and perhaps uh, even should consider, you know, should keep doing the work. And as clients kind of learn that this work can be very self led, right, and can. Can continue mm-hmm. in between sessions, right? Or mm-hmm. keep working with your parts afterward, right? It could be five minutes. Eventually, for some clients, it's an hour, right? Um, or in our own work as practitioners, right? The work is kind of always happening, right? And as right. clients kind of learn the ropes of like basic, yeah. you know, core principles like un- unblending, um, then they can practice that, right? And yeah, this really does help and listening really does help i think listening is just such a big piece of this work and again not trying to argue or change your part's mind and even that piece around appreciation mm-hmm. i find is often enough so to speak to help a part un- unblend and soften right even that perfectionist yeah. part right just could, could you just send that part some appreciation for how hard it's working for you or for me in my case how hard it's working to help me be a good therapist it really must mm-hmm, really be mm-hmm. there. Wow, that makes so much sense. Just send that part of appreciation. And often that is enough for that softening to happen and then right. some more spaciousness to 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 be to, to happen.
1: Yeah. I think you know, the more we get to know parts on a deeper level, you know, we ask them, what are you afraid you would happen if you didn't do this? And we hear they're really valid reasons why they're doing this. But you know, our self naturally has this appreciation for, oh, oh my goodness, that's why you're you're protecting me from death, right? From, from you know, abandonment, from these really severe things. You have this really good intention, even if your impact is, you know, hard for the system. You have yeah. a good intention. I do appreciate it. And so, so then eventually, as we experience that more and more with parts, our system does, or our client system does. Then, I like I'll tell clients and I'll say, you know, you'll you'll experience this, but every part does what it does for a reason. So you don't have to even know what it is initially, as long as you know I know there is a reason. I know there's a good intention. Let me come towards you and and listen to you so that I can understand what it is, right? Yeah. So then when so then when something even like a suicidal part, right, is really overwhelming and the system hates comes up that you're like, okay, I know you have some kind of good intention. You, you know, have some reason while you're doing this. There's a reason why this makes sense. Um, then that can give us a little bit of that courage to go toward it and say, okay, you know, <laughs> tell me what your good intention is. I'm not seeing it yet.
0: That's great. Um, th- this is f- flown by. And um, yeah. uh, just with a couple minutes left, um, any thing that you wanted to say that perhaps we didn't get to here in the, the final minutes. And then of course, um, you know, how people can find out more about you and follow along and, and learn more about working with you.
1: Yeah. Um. Well, you know, since we were talking about inner critics, one thing I was going to say is, you know, I was saying I I got to know several different critics. And, and one of them was, uh, you know, I heard Dick Schwartz talk about this, that there's kind of these two different kinds of of suicidal parts one that's like i feel so awful i want to die and the other that's actually murderous (laughs) it's kind of like you need to die you're so pathetic right and that's kind of the biggest critic that i had Mm -hmm. that was causing so much pain in my system and being able to turn toward that part and say who are you pointing at who do you want to die in the system that you're willing to die right for for this part to die and pointing at these parts that he called pathetic and too sensitive and too emotional and just causing problems too needy, you know. And, um, and that was actually when he, what he said was that he needed my anger to, to come out of exile, my, my self-protective anger and self-agency uh, to come out in order to protect a little bit more. Right, because that had also been exiled. And so as you go towards these parts, they will show you the way, right? Of very naturally of what needs help. And then, you know, once that was was um was worked with, it, and I mean, now I have such appreciation for the part, the murderous part <laughs> that like wanted me to die. Um, and, and I've had, you know, other just really big inner critics. Um, there's I don't know if you're familiar, uh, just real quick with um Jay Early and Bonnie Weiss's little bit, yeah. books and they have one about, about inner critics and they have, I think it's seven different types of inner critics that, you know, but luckily actually I hadn't read that before I met my critics. So, <laughs> so it, it didn't kind of skew them, but I was able to go, Oh yeah, you're this kind and you're this kind and you're this kind. Right. Um, but so, so I just encourage people to be, so curious right about and and to just trust that as you get to know whatever's in front of you the puzzle pieces will eventually come into play i mean i didn't know back then when i met edna that i also had these four or five other um critics but you know if you go in and ask you will find out like i did with the one you know are you edna no (laughs) you know i'm i'm this and I, i remember then having another and saying are you Gollum? no i'm i'm in charge of this right and um, as you befriend these parts you can just turn toward them whenever they come up you learn their tells and you say hey i'm here with you i see you i see your good intention like you said um yeah it's just such a beautiful beautiful modality to to um to get to know, like, yeah. like, I have clients who say, you know, I know more people inside of me than I do outside of me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, but to really befriend all of this, these beautiful people inside of us.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm so grateful for um, the model and, um, yeah, and very grateful for your time today. Um, just so much richness in the conversation. And I so appreciate your, um, Openness with your parts and your story and your trauma that just helps to really bring all of this to life and just shows a lot of uh, uh, courage the way that you bring your story into the work mm-hmm. and into your work with, mm-hmm. with, with clients and, and practitioners. Um, yeah, that being said, again, maybe how, how can people find out more about you and get in touch and, and work yeah. with you?
1: Yeah. So if, you know, I do share quite a bit of my own parts work. I feel like I'm an expert in my own system. <laughs> um, so th- I do that on YouTube. My, my YouTube channel is the ordinary sacred. Um, and that's really where I am everywhere is uh, on Instagram. I'm the underscore ordinary underscore sacred. And then my website is the ordinary um, And there you can um, access different resources and i have a a weekly group uh, ifs community that meets that um we usually will do a check-in with what's alive in us and then um do some kind of ifs exercise together or meditation together and then people break off into groups and share for their parts with each other it's just a really supportive supportive space so uh yeah the ordinary
0: love it christine thank you again for being here we'll of course push uh links to all that in, in the show notes and description wherever people are listening and or watching and um obviously I'd love to have you back anytime to go yeah. even further with this stuff so thank you again for being here and um uh yeah let's keep in touch
1: it's my pleasure john thank you
0: thanks